art critics, your words, not mine, yeah. are going to walk past and stand in a gaggle and say, the work here is pretty good, apart from that one. <laughs> and welcome to episode 52, 52 of Art Juice. That is honest, generous and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. So that makes this our anniversary episode. Cue the popping champagne corks. (laughs) And I can't believe we made it this far because when we started, we said maybe we'll just do uh six and see what happens yeah six weeks yeah and just see how we feel about it and then there's been a few little blips where we've been oh it's so much work but we've not actually ever really freaked out about not about stopping have we but from a personal point of view it's taught me a huge amount actually it's taught me a lot about having to be organized for somebody else (laughs) yeah not just my own uh sticking to a schedule for something because I know if you guys like this is the one thing that has to go out without fail apart from when we've told you it's not coming and even then it came out but anything else like even if I do a blog post there's a degree of flexibility in that whereas I know what it's like to listen to a podcast and if it's not there you're like where is it what's gone wrong I want it yeah well I just we never thought it would grow like that did we no but And it's actually taught me that same thing, which is I have two things that I have to go out, the podcast and I do a Sunday newsletter, and I never miss them because they're, you know, I've committed. And that's what made me do my, my social media calendar for this year. And so far, it feels the same way. I've committed. I'm doing a blog post on Monday. I'm doing a video on Thursday. So I have to be organized around that. It really does help promising yeah. somebody something. And even yeah. if it's just promising yourself. So, yeah. so thanks everybody for making us stick to our schedule. <laughs> My other accountability promise that you might have noticed if you're following me on social media is basically I tell people on social media that I'm going to do something. <laughs> ah, I yes. To, then I have to do yeah. it. <laughs> because I can't trick them. Whereas if I just tell myself, I'm like, yeah, well, that won't matter if it doesn't happen till tomorrow. Whereas yeah. if I say this is going to happen tomorrow, I'm like, Oh, now I really have to do it. It does. I was, ta- who was I talking to? Oh, the person who helps with my marketing. And she said, shall I wait to launch this until you're ready with all the automated emails? And I said, no, just put the ad up and then that'll force me to do the yeah. automated emails on the days when they're supposed to come out. Although having said that, that sounds like we come to this with our arms bent behind our back, forcing yeah. us to do something. Yeah. But um, I think it's also taught us that I think some somebody mentioned the other day that they just discovered us and they were really enjoying listening to all the episodes but they were listening backwards and I emailed and I said well you'll hear us get progressively more nervous then as you go back (laughs) and I think certainly at the beginning I don't know if we I think I don't know if we felt that we had to be so formal but I think we were probably a little bit more worried about what we might say or what we might not say and we're a bit more relaxed about that now we're only just not relaxed about getting microphones to work which is still a bit of a yeah yeah but yeah yeah I think that's true you do relax into it and actually that'll tie into our main topic so I'll come back to that when we talk about our main topic but for now tell me what you've been working on this week so this week has um this week's been quite broken up. We've got um uh, a get together lunch for connected members at the end of the week and on Monday I was in the studio and I had a really interesting visit from um a gallerist in a lovely London location which is something for a whole other day really. Um we had a fantastic conversation. We spoke talked for over 2 hours and halfway through I said to her God, I wish we'd recorded this because this would be amazing for the podcast. I don't know what it was, whether we just clicked, but we just went straight in deep at the beginning to like, what has this got to, what has this got to 
make work for it to work for you. And she was totally blunt with me. She said, this can't work for me working with you at the moment because your paintings need to be selling for six to 10,000 pounds. And my paintings don't sell for six to 10,000 pounds. So, you know, I'd love them to maybe, or certainly certain sizes, but it was just so nice to have that really refreshing kind of conversation. And then at the end of it, you know, and she almost said, you know, and perhaps you don't need me either. And I'm still, anyway, I'm writing all the ideas down into a blog post. Um, But that was my Monday. And that meant that uh, when I was in the studio yesterday, I had to get there really early. I had a terrible travel time last week, which I'll tell you about in what's inspired, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been working on just trying to get heads or tails of all these ones that I've got going on and sort of dividing them into color groups. And what's really exciting is, you know, that feeling when you feel like nothing's finished or nothing's getting finished, and then you just get one or two over the finish line and it feels really good. And I've got a small one that I finished that I keep looking at pictures of it on my phone. I'm really happy with it. And it's really muted colors, um, but I just love it. And I also went back to one that has been in a state of freeze since March last year. So that's almost a year. Wow. And um, purely just played on it. It was one that was one of a group that I was preparing for a commission and uh, it fell apart in a spectacular way, which I think I've, I've mentioned before. But as a result, I had a bit of a block about all of those three paintings. One of them I was really happy with as it was. And the others were only ever kind of uh, in progress ones to work alongside. Um, and I knew I wanted to make changes, but it just fe- it felt like going backwards. That's what it was. And I think as a result of finishing this small one, I felt like I could go forwards with the big one. Um, and it's not a massive change, but it, it's just shifted things. So yeah, I feel like I had a really lovely, productive day. Um, Those with are the, days. Yeah, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you the other bit about what's inspired. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on, big and small together. Okay. Well, I've been working on trying to find a blend of painting time and content creation because for for marketing my courses, I need to be constantly in front of people and finding new people and offering value for free and letting people know what I can teach. So I have part of my life is that and part, but now space has opened up for painting and it's interesting because I'm finding what my limits are with painting and where I, where enough is enough. And I'm definitely finding, I'm, I might have thought at once, maybe I'd rather only paint and not do this other stuff, but that's not true. I, I love the blend now, yeah. I realize. So yeah. four hours is, a, is the max for me painting. Um, it's, or I can do, I can, I can do two hours and two hours with a gap in between for something else, or I can do four hours all at once, but any more than that. And I'm tired and I start not enjoying it as much. So I'm finding the balance, um, cause I've got the freedom of more time at the moment. So that's been interesting. And also just to take away my freedom, I've been spending a lot of time talking to potential, uh, virtual assistants. So these are people who will help you out with, I'm looking for someone to help me with techie tasks just on an hourly basis as and when needed. And that's been interesting. Because, How's that going then? Well, it's been very interesting because I'm looking for someone techie. They tend to be young. And so I sent you a grumpy old woman email the other day saying, they all don't want to do anything. But they generally so far the people that I've spoken to one was very gung-ho but a little bit more advanced than what I need and she was very organized and gung-ho but then the next couple were kind of you know I only like to work 25 hours a week and I don't really like to do that kind of thing I'm making a life for myself where I only do this and um and I said well I I might want someone like you know I don't know, five hours a week, but then it might go over when it comes to course time because I'll need more help. And, oh, I don't go over because I'm very strict about keeping time for my yoga and my whatever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> definitely not the person for me. So um, it seems there's a whole generation of people who maybe they've got it right, 
uh, in terms of work-life balance, but they're no use to me in terms of needing help. So I'm thinking now I need to, I need to find like someone who's over 40, but also extremely tech savvy and has a really strong work ethic and client service ethic. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. I found the perfect person online. I can tell she's perfect without even speaking to her. Uh, but her prices are really high. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That, that, yeah. and this is what I'm afraid. This is what I've always found. Not that I've done, tried to do a huge amount of this because I basically want somebody who thinks like me, um, is as ambitious as me, is as excited about it all as me, but with more experience than me. And they're going to be quite expensive. So then that starts to get a little bit tough. Or yeah. you've got to have somebody who's, inquisitive enough that you can train up but then you've got to have the time you've got to devote the time at the front end to to teaching them but it sounds like you haven't even found somebody who's willing to learn yeah I don't mind that as long as they have the ability to be flexible on hours I mean I've had a VA for 15 years in my other business two VAs actually one's a backup to the other and they're fantastic but they are not technical they're customer service right okay neither of them but but again they are expensive um they're Americans and they're $50 $60 an hour I think yeah and it was worth it in that business totally paid back on itself we could see where but they're not cheap good people don't come cheap if they were if you know so anyway the search continues we shall see yeah good luck good luck I wish you good luck and when you find someone and you've done all the hard work finding them (laughs) I'll let them work for you as well yeah (laughs) okay perfect that let's move on to our main topic so because this is our anniversary we thought it might be a good idea to talk about this topic the reason being the topic we've chosen is Brene Brown's idea of daring greatly and for anyone who hasn't heard of Brene Brown B-R-E-N-E-E Brown just uh Google her, search for her on YouTube. There's some amazing talks on YouTube. She writes, she was originally a vulnerability researcher and she came to realize that she had more to say about vulnerability and courage and leadership. And she started to speak and write on those subjects and she's become very, very well known and very successful. And her first successful book, I think it was her first one, was called Daring Greatly. And the idea behind the whole book is that um, it's to be brave, to dare, is to also make yourself extremely vulnerable. And I'll just read out the quote that she named the book after. So she took the quote from Theodore Roosevelt, former U.S. president, who had said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And I absolutely love this quote. It so applies to us when we're making our art. It applies to, and I thought it applied to us doing this podcast. We could have really fallen on our faces when we decided to do this. And So her whole point anyway is that the more vulnerable you make yourself, the more risks you take, the more you put yourself out there, the braver you are, the the, you're daring greatly and the people who criticize you are only allowed to even have an opinion if they're in the arena with you, if they're also doing the same thing. Yeah, if they're trying. Yeah, but I think as well, it's not, for me, it's not about, it's not about, uh, looking for vulnerability or searching for vulnerability it's about accepting that that is part of the parcel that just comes along with the ride whenever you try to do anything so you've kind of got to get comfortable um i i've not actually read daring greatly i'm i'm reading one of her later books uh which is dare to lead which is about kind of creating uh, creating environments, and she's talking about a corporate work environment, which I'm not obviously interested in, but in terms of um, the way that you 
set examples by doing the thing yourself and creating the environment so that you and others around you feel capable of stepping into it. And she talks in there about rumbling with vulnerability and about the, and it just feels to me like the whole thing is about making it okay to get things wrong and make mistakes. And this is really, really hard for me because, you know, I grew up an out and out perfectionist. Totally. Yeah. And it, you know, this is, this is a long, this is a long process of, of testing, putting yourself deliberately in situations where, you know, it might not always go according to plan and being okay with the outcome of it. It's really hard to do, which is is why I think, you know, reading things like this can feel so supportive because it's acknowledging that it's not always easy. It's very hard to do. And I think I am a bit further along the path of overcoming perfectionism only because I've done internet marketing for longer. And so initially when we started our other business, I remember my husband saying, we should do some videos where you just stand there and talk talk about resume writing. I was like, I am not doing videos. What if I make a mistake? What if I mess it up? No, because we didn't know how to edit. And I had that perfectionism years ago. And what knocked it out of me over the years is the accidental times when I did really mess something up publicly. And when I got the best reaction possible (laughs) from the things that weren't perfect. Yeah. And then, and then, so I kept, so now I'm totally okay with doing a Facebook live video when I've got bad hair, but something just came up that I wanted to say. And when I feel like I look terrible and if I just say I'm doing this with bad hair and I look terrible, I'll get 55 comments saying, oh, it's fantastic that you did it anyway. (laughs) Like, you know, people are so supportive, the more vulnerable you are. Um, And so I think you don't try and use vulnerability, but the more you are honest with people about your failings, the, the closer they feel to you and the more they trust you. And it must work with our art also. So if that happens in life, then, then it must happen with our work. It, I think it does happen with our work, but can I talk about the conversation we've just had? Yeah. So we've just had a work review call in Connected, which Louise doesn't often submit for. So within that, uh, once a month, we have, we have a, a, a call where people can submit work. And it's always interesting to see whatever stage that people are at in this. But Louise is working on these Ted Hughes paintings and had got to a stage. But actually, what we uncovered was that it wasn't just a kind of review of where the work is. There's a concern there about when they're ready, when they're showing, and she's applied to a Manchester Art Fair, uh, same as me, but for Louise, that's going to be your first big art fair. And you said there's a big fear that when you put them up, art critics, your words, not mine, are going to walk past and stand in a gaggle and say, (laughs) the work here is pretty good, apart from that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a, a fabricated vision of the future. Where we're not, which we're not going to have. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is that, isn't it? It's that. I think the daring greatly part comes when you do it anyway. Yeah. I, I but it's, what I wanted to say was that it's important. I think it's a couple of things. It's important to recognise that we still have these fears, yeah. and also that they show up differently in different areas for us. So yeah. you might not have any worry about That's showing true. up to do a Facebook Live now, yeah, because you've done it so many times that that no longer has a sting for you. That's very true. Yeah. So I've had the experience of it always working, no matter what happens. It's fine. Um, but I haven't had that experience in art fairs. I've never yeah. had that experience. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Yeah. So for me, this is all brand new in this area and it feels like, um, yeah. And, and, and the thing is about that, the, uh, if there were, um, 
15 art critics that came by these art critics who don't exist but i imagine they're like you yeah, know, what are they wearing these art critics by oh, the way I, I don't know they're they're, they're they're floaty scarves but they're men but they wear like uh, max and big scarves and probably like trilby type hats or something i don't know <laughs> and uh flow like long raincoats that flow behind them when they walk um and they've yeah and they've got a notebook (laughs) and anyway they walk by and there's quite a few of them walk by and and they're very impressed and they tell me they're very impressed but then two walk by giggling at me and pointing and then it would be the two that are giggling and pointing that I would remember so yeah that was my that's now we've had the uh, insight into the inner workings of my insecurities. <laughs> but I, I always remember when I was a child, and my mum didn't say very many uh, great nuggets of wisdom, but I do remember that when I was little once and she was, I had some injury and she was pulling off this band-aid and it really hurt and I, I was crying and I said, I'm sorry for being so scared, I'm sorry... And she said, you've been brave. It's it's not brave when it doesn't hurt. It's only brave when it does hurt. Yeah. And that's actually Brene Brown's whole book, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is. um, It's it's brave to do things that make us feel scared and exposed and vulnerable. But the magic of it is that when we do it, it actually works far better than putting on a professional front and looking like you've got it all together. Yeah, and I think that's my point about not expecting it to go away. And like, if, you know, we're being vulnerable and like, you know, sharing with you where we have good weeks and where we have bad weeks, it's, it's not to be, um, it, it's kind of deliberately to expose the fact that that's the reality of it. And this is the reality of life as well as like, we can all stay working in the safe zone. Everybody can, like thousands of people spend their entire life working in the safe zone. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean to say that you've got to go out and do something, you know, ridiculously stupid and, or start skydiving or anything like that. But if we want to learn and grow, we've got to not wait until we're at the position where we feel super confident about everything. Like don't wait until your work is perfect and beautiful before you start making a website of it. You know, don't wait until you feel like you've nailed public speaking to start doing, you know, live videos on Instagram stories. You know, we learn these things by doing them, by practicing them. And inevitably at the beginning, it's going to feel weird and awkward and scary and, and worrying. And there are certain things that you can do to prepare for those. So, you know, you're turning up at an art fair, you're planning for it now. You're planning for it nine months ahead. You're not just kind of rocking up in October and shoving any old rubbish on the wall. You're thinking about it now. So you, you put the work in, but also understand that this, this, the feeling the anxious feeling, perhaps, is that, is that really what's the problem? The feeling anxious before you begin? What's the whole point of this daring bravely? Is it getting you over hurdles of not doing what you really want to do? Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, her point is do it anyway. Everybody's scared. And her point as well is, um, don't let the people who are throwing rocks at you from the sidelines, make any difference to you so if those critics flow in with their long coats um unless they're painting and struggling with their own paintings don't listen to them keep focused on your own thing um when you were talking then i just wanted to say i remembered this quote by hugh laurie which i've just found and it's exactly what you're saying and hugh laurie the actor who played dr house Um, he says, it's a terrible thing, I think, in life to wait until you're ready. I have this feeling now that actually no one is ever ready to do anything. There's almost no such thing as ready. There's only mm. now. And you might as well do it now. Generally speaking, now is as good a time as any. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it's so true. And when we're younger, we think we're going to get to this point where we're ready. But yeah. as you as you gracefully age you realize uh, (laughs) um no i if i'm not ready now probably never going to be 
but it's okay. And you've, you're so right. You've made me think that you've made me think about that. That all the things I'm not worried about, the art fair, the reason why it feels so risky is because it's the first time. Yep. And it's a very vulnerable thing to do. Anybody who's listening knows who's done these things. Um, I I've done something similar on a smaller scale, a local thing. And standing by your work while people walk in and out or walk past you is is quite a weird feeling, especially the ones who just walk past without even looking. Like they take a glance and just think, oh, that's not for me and walk past. Yeah, that's what, and that's even worse at an art fair. Yeah. But I think you made, you made a really good point as well about... Um, how you've learned from thing learned from things in previous jobs or previous things that you've done and there's definitely something in that that I think we can all learn from which is when you have a new experience or something that you want to do to ask yourself where where else in your life do you do something that perhaps other people might consider brave, but that for you comes perfectly naturally? And perhaps understand what's the difference in that situation compared to the one that you're now facing. And then try to take some of yourself in that guise into whatever it is that you're considering or thinking about doing now so that you can go into it with that same confidence. Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Now, the other thing that just occurred to me that Brene Brown talks about in this book and in the talk she gives is she came to fame very uh, unexpectedly. So she did this TED talk, which at the time TED was very new. She did this TED talk and YouTube was only just starting. And she, in the talk, she was very vulnerable. She talked about having a nervous breakdown in earlier years. And afterwards, she said she went and told her friend, oh, my God, I told this room full of people that I had a nervous breakdown. And unfortunately, it's gone on this thing called YouTube. (laughs) And she said hundreds of people might see this. And it turned out that four million people saw (laughs) And she said she was absolutely freaking out. But the worst thing was that in the comments, there were all sorts of people writing, well, she's so fat, she shouldn't even be on a video. Or, you know, her kids must be so ashamed of it. Or just really awful, awful things people were saying. And she that was the other side of it that she talked about is when you do step out and do something courageous, yes, there's lots of good things that come out of it. But there is also, um, there can be hate and criticism and people laughing at you. And just like my example of those imaginary art critics, that can happen because you've made yourself vulnerable and put yourself out there. And that's happened to both of us. We've talked before about times when we've posted things online and people have made mean comments. Yeah, although do you know what? I'm looking through the back episodes to see have we actually ever done one that's simply about dealing with criticism. I thought that we would have done. But I it appears we haven't that we haven't quite so deliberately. So there's one for the future list. Isn't yeah, there? that is that is because because the more successful you become, the more of that there is, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, but also, we're not I at think, that level yet. But if you're if you're really well known, that comes with a level of attack and criticism. But sometimes it's the criticism that comes in the early days that can be the more painful criticism that stops you, because along perhaps with a little bit more success or being a bit more um, exposed publicly as you say, hand in hand with that comes an experience of of understanding how not to let it knock you off track. Whereas when it comes in the early days, it's perhaps easier to be swayed or knocked by it. Yes. And I think one of the things that uh, my my hero, Gary V. everyone be sick of hearing me talk about Gary V. but he talks about something that I really believe is true, which is the only way to be impervious to criticism is to also be impervious to praise. Yeah. So to truly 
not care when someone thinks you're uh, the next messiah and to not care when someone thinks you're the biggest loser on the planet. And if you genuinely are guided from within, and we were talking about this on your call today, if you're making your art and you love it and you're loving the process and you're excited by it, you you have to be in a place where nobody else's criticism will knock you off, but you are, but you can't do that unless you're in a place where other people's praise also doesn't change yeah. how you feel about it. Yeah. And on that front, um, there is one exercise that I think that's in her book. I'm not sure if it's an exercise or it's certainly in the Dare to Lead book. It's probably in the other one too. And it's about um, it's something that I've come across in various other places. So I don't think it's unique to her. It's a list of values of what's important to you. And um, she has a whole list of things that include, um, you know, dignity, diversity, leisure, learning, leadership, knowledge, kindness, tradition, truth, uniqueness, wealth, well-being, whatever it is, you know, there's a huge, great big list. And I think that as an exercise is really helpful for anybody to do and, and review probably fairly frequently because it's something that you hone and fine tune a little bit as you go. I remember when I um, decided that the word curiosity was going to be really important for me. And perhaps that was a switch away from perfectionism and, and wanting things to be perfect. That was the release. That was what made it okay for me. It was like, well, I'm going to try it and have a go and see. And I think at that point, I, I was using it in my work as well, in the way that I was developing the process of painting. And I had it within my website and my About Me copy. It was a really useful guide for me when I hit these patches where I felt that I was perhaps coming a little bit unstuck or I didn't know what to do or I wasn't feeling the bravery. I didn't have to feel brave in order to get everything perfect. I didn't have to feel, I just had to be brave enough to be curious enough to try. And I think if you can tie that back to maybe if you can get it down to three things that are almost like your guiding lights. So, uh, you know, maybe it's security, maybe it's um, finding calm, maybe whatever it is, it's going to be so different. I think that's a really, really helpful exercise to do regularly. We should include it in Best Art Year Ever next time. Yeah, we should. I think that's a great exercise. We should. Because it helps when you get, when you get these sticky points, you kind of think, well, is this actually checking in with what I want to do or am I being led with something else? And it gets, it gets you over it. So related to this, actually, we got an interesting listener question from Susan Rossiter Hedges. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Also, Suze Rossiter on Instagram, if you want to look her up. And uh, Susan said, there's a hilarious song by Morrissey called We Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful. And I'm wondering if you've lost any friends along the way. Do you notice some people just getting standoffish, angry or acting differently the more you succeed? What about you, Alice? That's really good. Um, I don't think I've been perhaps very good to some of my friends in the sense that life always seems to be a bit busy at the moment. And therefore, I feel like I'm doing less socially than I was before. However, I don't think that's, I don't think that's only tied to just kind of being busy slash successful I think it's more to do with uh, kids growing up and teenagers living their own life and just being difficult to kind of create time for two families to get together. Um, but in terms of do I find, do I, have I noticed people getting standoffish, angry? No, I think people are kind of more fascinated. I've had some people telling me how they think I could be doing things better. Right. <laughs> um, kind of you know emailing and saying it's very interesting what you're doing have you thought about doing this and telling me lots of things that either a I already do that they clearly haven't looked at for or just you know wanting to mansplain things a bit yeah (laughs) oh you got to love a bit of mansplain (laughs) you've got to let them do something sorry male listeners (laughs) oh dear but I don't know I uh, certainly not angry 
Um, to be honest, most, most people, what I tend to notice is most people who have known me for a long time or have even been following my art a long time, they're not even aware of it. They don't even like, what do you consider being successful? Like is having lots of Instagram followers successful? Not really. It's a little bit in many ways, it's a little bit pointless. And like, how often do you go back to somebody's Instagram feed that you followed and check what their follower count is now? Never. I never do it. You know, I, I see posts that they post, but very rarely do I think, oh, I wonder what their follower count is now. I'll go and have a look. Oh gosh, it's, um, it's uh, 30,000 now and it was 16,000 before. That's true. No one else, nobody else is paying that much attention. That's what I find. Yeah, I think... My success uh, to my friends is a bit more visible in the sense that I was, they all know I was doing something I hated and was uh, spending all my time doing that. And now they see I'm doing something I love and doing well with it. So they ask, whereas you were working um, on your art for longer, weren't you? So they've not seen that transition to more visibility in the same way. Yeah. So yeah. my friends don't know if I'm visible or not. I agree on social media or any of that, but they, they see, oh, her life's really different now and she's much happier. Um, and in the, for the main part, they're super uh, supportive and a couple, of real, a couple of them have really been inspired to make changes in their lives, which is amazing to see. Um, there's been one friend I've mentioned before who's faded away and I think it's something to do with the change in how happy I am and I'm trying to work out how to work my way around to bringing it up to her so we can be close again because we've been friends since we were 13 but it's very hard thing to say um is it because I'm successful now (laughs) like how do you actually say so I want to I know her birthday's coming up and I have a plan to to do something nice for her for her birthday and then to be able to talk to her then and see if I can find out what's happened there. But that might not be related in any way to me being successful. And the only other change I've seen is I have a couple of friends who saw their role at the beginning to support me and and encourage me because no one else was. And now that I'm um, doing well and they can see lots of people are encouraging me, they're the kind of people who won't do that because they don't want you to get too big headed. So right. the praise has stopped because, yeah. you know, well, everyone else is doing that now. Uh, and it's more, and the, and the, these two people have switched to more kind of, well, don't get too cocky, you know, cause yeah, pride uh, comes before a fall. Yeah. But no one's angry and no one's, no one's been, I'm, for, the biggest change I've seen is the two friends who've decided to, to, um, cut down their hours at work so they can spend more time doing what they love. Yeah. And that's exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Or the other, the other thing that I see is, is, is the thing that's probably most difficult if we're talking about difficult reactions or perhaps what I find frustrating is when somebody says, Oh, or, it's been so, or you haven't, you had a lucky year or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is, it's probably, it's probably a little way of them saying, well, there's nothing special about you. You've just, you know, yeah, you just managed to get something. And of course that's because perhaps they don't see the amount of work or things that are going into it behind the scenes. Yeah, or, and they don't have any comprehension of what you might do to make that happen. No. Oh, it just seems to have landed out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I, I've heard that before, yeah. Oh, aren't you lucky? It's like, well, no, actually. I work harder than you do. <laughs> but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, but but on the whole, I think, if anything, the the biggest response is either not being that interested because it's not what they do or a kind of, you know, in genuinely interested fascination, you know, from the point of, you know, Oh, I remember, you know, watching when you did your first open studios and it's really exciting to kind of see, see the change. Yeah. Um, I think on, on the whole, that's how most people react. Thankfully, maybe we just have nice friends. We do. We have good friends, obviously.
So moving on to Inside Outside and our inspiration, what's inspired you this week? Well, believe it or not, I had my first train commute in 18 years. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, this was prompted by last week in the, in the, on the way to the studio, having, having thought that I had a great run and they finished the bridge roadworks and this is going to be a breeze. Suddenly on Friday, it took me well over an hour and a quarter to get there. And I thought, this is not sustainable. They are digging up a major road junction. It's not even that far, but it's not a very nice bike ride. But since then, I have figured out a different bike route to get there. So when the weather improves, I shall be cycling again. Gulp, gulp, really not my strength, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, And then I went on the tube, which is a little bit weird because I have to head off in the opposite direction and then get a different tube line back again. So it felt, it was something I was quite resistant to because it felt like a total waste of time. But actually, it was rather nice because I could sit on the tube. I started reading a book called Find Your Voice, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, not Louise's Find Your Voice, but mm-hmm. this is by a, a voice coach who I met in an event a couple of years ago uh, called Caroline oh, Goida. Goida, Goida, she got an N in. Anyway, she might be coming on the podcast So, because I thought it would be excellent because she can do all kinds of teaching. Basically, it's about how you get nervous and how you can change your physiology. So perfect for when you're standing at art fairs, when you're about to go into a discussion with a gallery, picking up the phone, talking to somebody about a painting they might be interested in. Really useful. So that's going to be exciting. So it was lovely to have the time to read her book. So that was the first incident of not wanting to stop. And then as a result of that, I had slightly shorter time that day in the studio. So I did this thing where I set a timer on my paintings and really loved it. So I just like, I wasn't allowed with a full day ahead of me to kind of slowly get settled in and rearrange things and fritter away the time. I had to I was allowed 10 minutes to get set up, review, decide which painting I was working on. And then I just kept setting the timer for 20 minute sections and really enjoyed working like that because every time the timer went off, I just noticed that my feeling was, oh, but I don't want to stop. Yeah. (laughs) So it was easier to get started again. And it was a really nice moment of actually feeling, oh, I don't want to stop this. That's That's a good idea as well, because it just stops you fussing with with one piece. Yeah. And it was just at that point, stand back, have a look. What's the next? So that 20 minutes was about making changes in this area. Do you need to do more of that? Or are you going to start moving in a different direction now? So it it was a good kind of interrupt from that point of view as well. So what about you? Well, I had a lovely visit with another artist this week, and um, this is going to lead into something we want to tell everybody about. But um, I went to see uh, the lovely Sheila in Leyburn, and Sheila invited me to her studio because I had been asking people about whether I should put skylights into my studio that I'm building and uh, the pluses and minuses. And Sheila said, do you want to come and see my studio? And that's about an hour north of me. So we went up there and took our dog for a walk up there and we went to see Sheila. And first of all, she's a lovely person. She's a member of your Connected Artist Club. Um, And she took an online course with, uh, um, I think she took it with me last year. And um, as a result of this podcast and a conversation that we had on this podcast, Sheila had decided to take the bull between, uh, by the horns, take the bull between something, take the bull by <laughs> that, the horns. That could get quite <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not between anything. And look in the paper and see if she could find, uh, I think she went in the, in the paper, and see if she could find a studio space near her because she'd been meaning to do it for quite a long time and never done it. She found something straight away. She's rented it. Um, it will make you weep when I tell you that it costs a hundred. No, 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 kind of feels like they know me because of our podcast and because of your group, et cetera. And to see that we've ha- helped just 
nudge her in a direction that she was mm-hmm. going in anyway. Um, but, but that she's got this beautiful space and the changes that have happened in her life as a result of recommendations that you've made and things that we've said on the podcast, it was, it was really inspiring. And I don't mean that in a, Oh, aren't we fantastic way? It's humbling. Um, Yes. Yes. Because that, because other people have done that for me and because seeing that we've done it for someone else, it was really lovely. So thank you so much, Sheila. And that leads me into uh, telling you all about something really exciting. Sheila uh, took the same online course that Alice and I took. And that course is coming around again this year. And it's a 10-day free workshop um, by an American artist, many of you will know, some of you won't, called Nicholas Wilton. His uh, uh, organization is called Art to Life. And once a year in February, he runs this free workshop. Yeah, so this is coming around again this year and you can join it by going to bit.ly slash art to life. And that's just with the number two. So bit.ly slash art to life 2020. And um, then you will be in on the most important thing, which is getting all the information and the lessons about the workshop. You can take it online. Um, It's short lessons and um, he does kind of, there are, there are extra things that are coming as part of it this year. So it's really exciting. It's once a year. It builds a lovely momentum to it. And it is the pre-runner for a bigger program that he does, which, which is the one that both Louise and I took. But even if you don't do that, do this workshop again. Even if you did this workshop last year, do it again. Because when you hear information the second time round, it goes in in a different way because you're at a different place from where you were last year. So this is relevant for you. This workshop part is relevant for you. Doesn't matter what kind of art you make. It's what I love about the way he teaches, which I hope that I have passed on to, is such an honest openness. I've met him now twice and He is genuinely, genuinely, genuinely doing this because he wants artists to succeed in what they're doing. And the information that he gives you, some of it might not be new, but it's given in a way that you can understand it in a different way and apply it to your own art in a different way. And it's different from any other teaching that I've seen and if you even go away from it with that kind of attitude change and openness in your learning that will have made the difference for you but it's also really practical it's 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 really practical I mean he has these kind of principles that he uses and you know I just find it so helpful and this is something that I still use you know in my art now so come and come and join the workshop, join his workshop. Um, so that link again, because I know that probably you are walking the dog or shopping in Sainsbury's is bit.ly slash art to life with a number 2020. And later on, Louise and I are going to be going to be opening up a a buddy group to go through the workshop so those of you who've done best art year ever with us uh you know the kind of things that we give for that and we're going to do extra things alongside the workshop running we're going to be sharing a little bit more about our work our approach um how it's changed things for us uh nick's going to come and do some extra special lessons for us we haven't quite got it set up yet um but the most important thing is that you um see the workshop material that he's going to share with you. So do that first and we'll keep you in touch with the other parts. What did I miss? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. it. It's going to be fun. It's, I always find it so much fun because I always go through it again. Um, But going through it last year when we set up the private Facebook group and we went through it with other, with the other artists, seeing their realizations, which I remember having, it's so exciting when people say, Oh, that's what I've been doing wrong. Yeah. Oh, and then and then people say I'm up till four o'clock painting because I'm just so excited, and I love it. And I love how much effort and time he puts into that free ten days. 
Yeah. So like you said, he'll be doing stuff for us as well. We'll be chatting to him and he'll be offering extra help. And he just really puts everything into it so that knowing that he knows that most people won't go on and do the expensive paid program. Um, but he, that's fine because he's giving all of this. And then if you do go on, you know, and do the bigger program, you get even more benefits. So it's just, it's an amazing thing. I love it. But also I think it comes particularly, last year it was delayed a little bit. Um, and this year, you know, it comes at a time of year, you know, so it will start in mid-February. So we're a little bit early. That's just why that we don't have the group going yet because we don't want to kind of bombard you with stuff. But um, it's a nice time of year for a reinvigorate. You know, we've done the January, we've got settled. You know, we're ready for another little boost, quite frankly. Give us all the boosts you can get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Good. So that's it from us this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to us. Those of you who've been with us for 52 weeks, wow, thank you. Those of you who are just joining us, you can catch up with all 52 weeks at your leisure. Um, we will see you next week. If you want to find us, you can find both of us on Facebook, Alice Sheridan. Are you just Alice Sheridan Art on Facebook? Alice Sheridan Art on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, and Louise Fletcher Art. So come and find us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You might have to upload this. It says to me, do you want to stop cloud recording? I must have pressed cloud record. I don't record in the cloud usually, so I have no idea where that will have gone. Don't worry, I've got it here. Okay. Okay.